between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Welcome to another Mass Movement Triple Threat Special. This time we're going down with Jughead's Revenge, Blast, and Fahrenheit 451. Okay, so to start things off, I spoke to Joe Doherty from legendary LA band Jughead's Revenge about their upcoming new EP, Vultures, and their new European tour. Um, I've sort of known Joe for a while, but we've never actually met in person, so it was an interesting interview. Um, and I'm happy to report that Joe was just as awesome in person as I thought he was always going to be. Anyway, without further ado, folks, this is Joe Doherty from Jughead's Revenge. Hey, Joe. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, Joe. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. This has been a while in coming. Uh, I know, it's great to meet you finally. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you guys for a long, long time. Um, yeah, since, well, since the 90s. Because there was a point when my band was supposed to support your band at a show you were supposed to play in Cardiff, but I don't think you guys made it over to the UK at the time. Uh, what year was that? Uh, it would have been 96. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tour was a little troublesome. So, there's a new EP. Yes. Hold on a second here. There you are. Yeah, new EP coming out. Uh, May 5th. Okay. So, would you like to tell us a bit about it? Who, who's releasing it? You, is it going to be like a self-release? Is it going to be physical as well as digital? Yeah. It, uh, well, it'll be on uh, Spam Records out of uh, Austria. Uh, I I know they're doing vinyl. I I, I think that's all uh, like tangible media that they do. The rest of it, I think, will be online. Okay. All right. So this is the first time I think you've been back in the studio since two thousand. Yes. That's a, that's a hell of a break. Nearly <laughs> quarter of a century between records. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there was a lot of things involved with that, but the majority of it was is that, you know, we had toured for 11 years and uh we're getting pretty screwed by our record labels and um we just uh we wanted to not be around each other for a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that's so I mean, originally the the story was there was a, the split was because of a um lawsuit you know, when the band originally disbanded in 2001, there was a lawsuit from Archie Comics about the usage of the name. Well, is there any, is there any that, to that? Well, you know, because because of the lawsuit, I can't get too far in depth in that. In that, but yeah, um, that that was maybe like mm, like 25 percent of why we stopped in 2001 was because uh, that the rest of it was just. Um, uh, it, like what I was saying, that, you know, Nitro wasn't exactly the greatest label. Neither was BYO. So uh, with that, we were we decided to just uh, stop for a while. I mean, it, it wasn't like you know forever. You know, like uh, 
you know, us being like angry with each other or anything. We just knew like, okay, we need to, we need to stop and collect ourselves for a minute. And that took what, like seven years <laughs> Then we started playing again, but that was just for like the 20th anniversary of the, of the first record. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, it just kind of went, you know, we just started writing stuff and then, and then COVID happened, which pretty much cleared out everybody's schedule, no matter who you were. Yeah. So, yeah. So then we wrote uh, American gestures and put that out in 2021, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then we went back and started uh, writing songs for this CP coming out. So are you, do you see, do you, do you view the band now in the same way as you did view it before? And that it's, it's more, it's like a full-time entity or it's become a part-time thing. Um, that's more like a, a, a you know get together with your buddies, hang out on the weekend, play the sh- play the shows when you can play shows, rather than a full time touring entity as you were for like as as you said eleven years because you were nearly constantly on the road and recording and, and, and writing. So you think the bands are uh, different now, in that respect? You know, it. I I think it's almost exactly the same. I mean, I, I'm noticing this in life. In you know a multitude of levels where the, the wheel has come around in, right. in a lot of ways. Like I'm, I, I noticed just in life, things are happening again. I'm like, well, wait a minute. So when it comes to this, it's definitely a full-time thing for me now, because just even putting this tour together and uh, getting a record done, I mean, even getting this EP done, it took two years because uh, of uh, everything getting locked down. And then we all got COVID at different times Right. So then we then we couldn't do anything, <laughs> you know. It, it, like we on our on our uh, on our um, on our chat, you know, in our text, it's like all of a sudden, boink. Uh, sorry, guys, and you know, it shows like your test, you know, and it's yeah. positive. You're like, God damn it! So yeah, it was delay after delay, and then uh, we finally got it done, and then uh, you know, got that shipped off the label, and um, uh. You know, then got to start organizing the tour and everything. So that's, you know, I, I wear a, a lot of hats around here. So for me, it's it's turned back into a full time job again. I mean, I don't know how the other guys feel, but that's that's how it is for me right now. So is it, <coughs> you mentioned the tour. So it's just the U.S. tour at the moment. Is it a West Coast tour, East Coast tour? Well, how many dates? No, the you? European tour. You oh, this I did not know. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I thought you knew. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. This, I did, this I did not know. So, are you are you heading our way to the UK? Uh, no, in the UK, no. Next next time we will. Joey's on a on a pretty strict um, um, time limit. So, okay. uh, yeah. We, so we're we're going to be more in uh, Austria, um, Germany, Czech Republic, uh, around there. But okay, yeah, you are uh, you are going to head over. You are going to head over at some point, so we will finally get to see you because it's been like waiting for twenty five years. It was like twenty. I, yeah, I know. Years? So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm sorry, but yeah, it's well. No, it's, I mean, it's, like ninety six, what you were saying. Like, yeah, that was kind of a troublesome tour, but um, just it, the amount of money it took to to get from you know from Europe over to to the UK was like uh, yeah, it's pretty expensive. So, uh, you know, but that was you know different times. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we totally want to play there, you know, and uh, uh, just for for this time, it didn't work out. But after the record comes out, we're going to see, you know, how things change a little bit to where, you know, uh, it, it might be a little easier for us to make it to the UK. 
Okay. I mean, one thing that becomes glaringly apparent to me, at least when, when you listen to Vultures, is it's immediately a jughead revenge record. There's no doubt about who the record's by because you have that, you have your own sound. And I mean, I, I it always amazes me that more people don't acknowledge you as being sort of one of the pioneers of that California sound, sort of really highly melodic, fast um, pop punk sound with lots of hooks and lots of, you know, and, and really catchy choruses. So do you ever look back and think, you know, Christ, I wish I was making that NoFX money. I wish I was making that lag money. Lag money. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Because you were there at the beginning. And it also sometimes feels like you're overlooked and neglected almost. Yeah, I I definitely feel that way. But I mean, that's, but that's at risk of sounding like, you know, you don't appreciate my genius. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you know, like, I, I don't want to be one of those guys. And, uh. and, and we're really not that kind of band. Like we, we've yeah. never, we've never been fame chasers, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, some some recognition i don't know it, it it's hard for me to even describe it because yeah we were there at the beginning of that whole thing yet yeah. uh you know we got left at the station in some ways why i don't know it's it's uh but but at the same time like we never really think about it because we we weren't looking to be stars or you know we weren't we didn't feel like we were participating in in a popularity contest because right. especially being in a punk rock band when we started uh-huh. in 89 that was like the dumbest thing in the world to do as far as <laughs> in la there weren't any punk shows really i mean you know like not many anyway i mean everybody was trying to do uh everyone was trying to sound like the red out chili peppers and jane's addiction or yeah. both you know so uh being in a in, in a band that sounded like us especially early on it was you know so we went in just knowing like oh well, people aren't gonna like it anyway you know, so then 93 comes around and then that's when uh, that yeah. sea change was, was starting. And then 94, it just really, you know, it exploded. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I guess we're kind of like uh, like the 13th floor elevators of Punk and Away, where it's like <laughs> all, all, all these other bands were like, all these other psychedelic bands were like, oh my God, these guys are great. But then yeah. nobody ever heard of them. So that's, we're, we're kind of in that boat. But, you know, I... I, it doesn't bum me out or anything because we we didn't we didn't go in like a lot of new bands now are going in going I want to be a punk rock star right you know and that's we've never we never thought of it that way but yeah no effects well Joey could have had no effects money he was in the band for about ten minutes <laughs> in between Steve Kitweller and uh, and Hefe right but it, it's in it's in the book there's that there's that thing as well because you. There's that track you released, Parliament Horse, which always feels like a, you're flipping the middle finger at the whole thing. Where it's like, we don't care about that. We're not here for that. We're just here to play. And yeah, it's it's like a perfect expression of the sort of rage that the other bands should have been pushing that you guys still were. Um, yeah, yeah, but because a lot of those bands were, uh, you know, they like once once Green Day happened. Yeah, everybody started smelling blood in the water. So it was, you know, a, a lot of bands would would talk a good game of, you know, what? Oh, you're a sellout or you're a sellout. Like that was a huge thing in the 90s. Everybody was calling each other a sellout. I mean, nobody was calling us a sellout because it was like very clear that we weren't, <laughs> we weren't doing anything. But it was it was like in a bad way that they're they're like, wow, you're not a sellout. 
but and a lot of these people, they, they would point fingers at everybody else, but then privately they would be telling me like, you know, oh, I had a meeting with this label or you know, a major label or right. this major label or, you know, dude, we had a, we had a meeting with Madonna, dude, isn't that crazy? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy, but why were you there? So, uh, you know, um, it's uh, Parliament Horse was exactly about that. I mean, even the whole title, the album, Images Everything, was about yeah. how it, it became more important uh, that your your look was or your persona was more important than the songs you're writing. But, if, you know, if you go back and look at like uh, the first Decline movie and you see, you know, all these bands, Fear, Circle Jerks, Black Flag, they look pretty normal by like, you know, today's like, you know, or, right. or by a punk rock standard, they're all just wearing T-shirts and jeans and have like shaggy hair, except for Dukowski, who had a mohawk in, in one scene. But, you know, that that's that was our blueprint to punk. Well, it was Southern California punk rock, Circle Jerks, Germs, uh, Flag. But when you look at those guys, they look pretty normal. So it, to us, it wasn't about projecting like, you know, look how look how punk I am. You know, so that that's what... Uh, uh, images everything was was even about parliament of horrors was just more of an elaboration on you know well uh record labels too you know mm -hmm. how at the time you know it's labels love to talk a good game about you know being indie or punk or whatever but then they just don't pay their bands and then when the bands say like hey we need this money to go back out on tour say like to make the make it the cardiff you know right. but when uh, but when everybody's keeping your money it's like well we can't afford to to do anything so that's that's where all that came from because right, it it always struck me as oh the you know to from BYO to Nitro and because you seem to have been you would have been more at home on on Epitaph or Fat as a band um, rather than Nitro because it always felt like Nitro were plowing everything they had to AFI and the Vandals and just ignoring the rest of their catalog the rest of the bands on their on their roster. Well, I'm glad you noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, they, they love Guttermouth too. Like that was yeah. the thing. We got signed, we got signed to Nitro the same time that AFI did. Right. And, and, uh, uh, you know, the offspring were taking AFI, the Vandals and Guttermouth out on tour, like constantly. And we're like, Hey, you think that we can get in on some of that? And they're like, no. <laughs> so, you know, we, yeah, it, it wasn't until after, um, the pearly gates came out that we told them that we're not going to tour anymore. Like if, if you guys don't want to help us out, right. You know, cause it was just like time after time, after time, the rest of the catalog on the label is going out on tour with them, but they don't want to take us. So yeah, we we're finally like, okay, we're, we're done. Uh, you know, uh, traveling around in a van, you know, while you guys are, you know, doing this. So it was two weeks after that, that, uh, that the offspring contacted us and said, okay, okay, okay. We'll take you out on tour. So yeah, they took us, you know, to, to Canada and okay, that was cool. But we, we already still had it in our minds that we're, we were coming towards uh, a break. Right. You know? So, but yeah, they nitro. Well, I mean, geez, the, the, the bands that they signed even after us, they got even less attention than, than we did. It was just insane. Cause I mean, ironically, I mean, AFI were always going to be, go and do the goth thing. They were always going to head in that direction. And Guttermouth, Mark's always just had just flipped his middle finger at everybody. He just wanted to fight, literally cause as much chaos and mayhem as he possibly sure. can. 
And the vandals have always been sort of like a, you, you look at Joe and he's doing TV and he's doing TV and he's a lawyer back and it's always more of a part time fun thing. So ironically, mm-hmm. it would have been you guys that would have sold the most records for them if they put it pushed you, you know, and maybe help the label retain some of his punk credibility at the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you would think, I mean, we thought, I mean, cause there were so few bands on the label at the time, yeah. you know, I thought, wow, this could be like the next fat records, but I don't know if, I don't know if Dexter had that in mind. Uh, you know, when, when Mike started fat, I specifically remember that I was interning at Epitaph at the time. Right. So, uh, you know, when Mike was saying, Hey, I'm starting to label and you know, he, you know, went with it. it. He wanted, he wanted it to, he wanted to build an empire the same way that Brick Gerwitz did. Right. You know, with, with, with Epitaph. And and he did absolutely. I think Dexter was already like a multimillionaire when he started Nitro. So to him, it's just like meh. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why Fat or or Epitaph didn't sign us. I think with Fat, it, it came. It was a choice between us and Good Riddance at the time. Right. And okay. and uh, and and yeah, Mike just went with Good Riddance, and and they're a great band. So you know, awesome. But yeah, I don't know. We we've, we've always been kind of uh, outsiders in in that way. Yeah, but you, uh, another thing, uh, another thing about you being outsiders is you've never been afraid to speak your mind. You never, it's, you've never held back. You never gone. Well, we, we we might offend this person, we might offend that person. You just plow straight down and said exactly what you mean. And it, the, the, the same is true on vultures. There's no bullshit. There's no sort of skirting around the issues. You just get directly to the point and say what you've got to say. And of course, well, it helps. you got the tunes to back it up. But that really helps, <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah, well, damn, that record, new record is good. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I mean, you know, I was saying like we we worked pretty hard on this one because <laughs> yeah, just of all the, you know, the the fires that were popping up that we had to put out, and yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We we've we have always been that way because like what I was saying like you know when we first started, it was like it wasn't like a cool thing to be in a punk band uh-huh. in LA at the time or a new one anyway. I mean, cause you know, bad religion, they were like, they were already their own, their own, uh, their own thing. But, you know, so if we were going into playing music, not expecting anybody to like us, then, you know, we didn't really mind just being honest about what we thought and, and how we felt about, you know, whatever. Yeah, and and sometimes that that got us in in trouble, uh, you know, with our record companies. But you know, <laughs> as, as we saw later on, it was like, well, you know, I'm I'm glad I said that because you guys wound up fucking us over anyway. So yeah, but it's just, I mean, is it how much more difficult is it to get in the van and head out now that you're in your fifties than it was when you're in your thirties and even in your twenties? Because that that that's got to be much harder in itself and it's going to be a more daunting sort of thing to do kind of yeah that's why we're just a little more selective about you know what we're doing i mean like with joey's schedule you know we we couldn't spend any more than two weeks on this tour so it wasn't enough to make it over to the uk but uh or even like even western you know europe but uh yeah it the the i think the the hardest part of it is is um um when we'll just keep the whole operation afloat i mean it takes money to do that you know so that that's the hard part because like we we don't have a lot of money because yeah we don't we don't have lag wagon or, or uh you know no effects money so yeah. that's that's the the hardest part of the touring 
So, what what's the audience? Re- I mean, are you still seeing the same faces now when you play shows that you were back in in the, in the nineties and the eighties, or are you seeing a whole new generation of kids coming and checking the band out? Well, when we first started, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that a lot of those guys are either probably dead or in prison because that <laughs> was those were those were the people that were at our shows early yeah. on. They were they were pretty rough. You know, then, like I was saying, like after like 93, 94, you know, things, you know, uh, Green Day, Blink-182 happened and, you know, things got a little nicer. Uh, Yeah, it's, I'd say like our demographic now ranges from like guys in their late 30s to guys in their 50s. So hopefully with, with this record, with Vultures, maybe, you know, like younger people can, you know, hear that and go, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. But that's that's where we're at now. So do you ever miss those sort of dangerous early days of the band, you know, when, when you're playing to the people who, as you said, are either dead or in prison, and the whole sort of... I mean, part, shows were, had a feeling of excitement and danger, sort of, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen next in the late 80s and early 90s, and then all of a sudden it became becomes almost sanitised, and you know that you know everyone's going to behave themselves when they go in, and there's going to be no trouble. So do you miss those early, like, the sort of early adrenaline packed and it shows that sort of feeling of, wow, we don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like it, that was at the beginning of, you know, when, when Judd started yeah. playing, I mean, I was going to shows for years before that, mm-hmm. that were even more dangerous because they were just bigger shows, places like the Olympic auditorium or Fender's ballroom in, in LA where, you know, I was 13 at these shows, uh, you know, seeing people getting stabbed, seeing people getting beaten up. Uh, it was, that was part of the formula that made it exciting because the, the spontaneity of it, or just the, you can feel it sometimes in the air. It's just like electricity uh, around maybe like to the mid nineties with the warp tour uh, that kind of uh, homogenized the punk scene in America, I think. I mean, that, that, this is another opinion that's, you know, going to get me in trouble with everybody here. But, uh, you know, like, oh, don't say anything bad about the Warped Tour. It's like, well, we never played the Warped Tour. You yeah. know, we got offered, I think, three shows. And they were in Texas or something. It was really far away. Uh, we didn't do them. And then after that, it was like, you know, they, they blew us off. But we're, we're happy about that because, you know, they, like, when I was going to shows before... I started a band. It was like, you know, uh, you get dropped off with the junkies with the warp tour. You get dropped off at the mall. So, <laughs> you know, it, which is the funner scenario, you know, I guess that's relative, but you know, for me, that was part of the excitement of being at a punk show in you know, the early and mid 1980s where, you know, just about anything can happen, but that was the fun part. You know, now with the warp tour, it's like, you're playing in a, in a parking lot of an arena somewhere where, you know, the security are basically just like the older guys that's like bullying you at school. You know, right. it's a, yeah. like, what's the difference of but being at high school or being there? But it's, it's like, you, you know, you see all these shows like, like the Vans Warped Tour and all that kind of stuff, and they're all sponsored. You, but it's, it's, it's the Vans Warped Tour. It's not just the Warped Tour, but it's fans. And it's, it's a multinational corporation sponsoring a, 
so a, a punk rock tour when the idea is you know you're rebelling against the norm anyway or you're supposed to be but when you accept the norm it just sort of becomes like a cyclical non-event i know i see and this is this is probably exactly why things like not getting signed to fatter epitaph happened was because we that's how we felt too was you know yeah. like the rest of these guys were like awesome but also it made it really hard for bands uh like ours to tour during the summer in the in the US because either you were ahead of the warp tour and everybody's saving their money for that or you're behind it and they already spent all their money <laughs> and they're not going to go to your show like you know I remember one band uh, they they were like oh you know what we're going to uh we're going to play it at all the same towns three weeks before the warp tour and we'll have like street teams like handing out flyers for our show. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like to try to, uh, you know, get on the hype, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, so, and, and it failed, it totally failed. So it was really hard for a lot of smaller bands. Like, unless you were kissing the ring to the hierarchy of the warp tour, uh, you know, you were kind of out of luck. You know, I I had a managing gig on the Warp Tour in 2003. Like we never played it, but I was working for a band that got on it. And once I was, I saw the day to day operation. It was I, I was even more glad that we didn't do it because it was just so everybody's you know putting on their punk uniform and waving their flag. But it's like yeah, exactly. The whole thing is being brought together by corporations, and you know, there's even like a tent for your parents to hang out and watch TV while you're i know i'm like this is not this is not what i grew up on this is not what i know right so that that so that's why we we never uh we never did that but but overall you know aside from you know the warp tour just shows now are are very safe and uh which i i guess you know people are like well you know don't you want shows to be safe and it's like well sure at other shows but the whole essence and spirit of punk rock was not that yeah it was it wasn't Hamad. I mean, I have a 13 year old daughter who I mean, man, there's no fucking way I'd want her going to the Olympic Auditorium or <laughs> Defenders Ballroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, because those were dangerous. But I don't think kids should be in a scenario like that, you know, or, or if you are, you know, be careful. Like I was a kid in that scenario. And looking back on it at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal. But looking back on it, I'm like, wow, where was I? Well, and, that, and that's it, but that sort of sense of, I think, as well, those that sort of danger, that sort of element where you never knew what was going to happen, helped to, to build a sort of sense of community. So, and it emboldened the DIY aspect of everything. So, you know that if you're going to have these shows, you want to see these bands, you've got to do it yourself, you've got to bring them in, you've got to play the bands, you've got to form the bands. If you want to put records yeah, out, yeah. you've got to form your own labels. But now, because everything's so catered for and everything's so easy to find, you can go online, you can find any band, you can type type in a band's name and their band count comes up and you've got their entire back catalog. Back then it used to be, well, if you don't see them on a show, you've got to go to a record store, you've got to find them on a record store, you've got yeah. to read on Mass and Rock and Roll or Flipside. But now <laughs> it's just, everything is so easy and so comfortable that I don't think, and this, again, this, this will get me into trouble as much as it will get you into trouble. It's just a case of... <laughs> Would punk rock happen now if it hadn't happened then? I don't think it would. I really don't think it would. Not not under not not like that. No. I mean what you're what you're saying, that's exactly it. That's how I found out about dance. I saw them in Max and Rock and Roll and more so flip side because they were uh, in LA. 
you know, so yeah, you read reviews or you read articles and then, yeah, you go to your local record store and hopefully they'll have it, you know, uh, you know, maybe sometimes they can order it for you or you can order from, you know, uh, like Epicenter through Maximum Rock and Roll, like, you know, the distro, uh, you know, mail order stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, now younger bands, it's funny, instead of like in the nineties, how everyone was like pointing the finger at each other about being a sellout all the newer bands, they want to sell out. Like they, they can't wait. You know? So, <laughs> so to answer that question, yeah, I don't think it would happen in, in the same sense. It would happen in the same sense, probably as like, you know, machine gun Kelly, for example, uh, I, I saw an interview with him. He's saying, you know, yeah, I was in hip hop and people don't understand, man. I was like punk rock and I was hardcore, man. I was going to the warp tour and I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> punk rock it, it, if it hadn't happened before the warp tour it that's what it would be I, I it would be that. as 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 superficial as any other i mean i saw turnstile they, they turned up at some was it, the, the grammys and they were all dressed in like some so they they looked like they've been dressed by their mothers or, or some shit like that and it was just like this is hardcore no this is hardcore you know this is you shouldn't even be there yeah um, yeah, I, I, it's I it's in, I, no, I know, I know, I, I I get those moments too where I'm you know yelling at a cloud. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like I, I, I mean I'm in work with kids who are 25 years younger than me. I, they're like, well, what are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to drink beer and shout at the television. I'm just going to do what all men do because that's <laughs> that, that's all we do. You know, we don't we can't. Yeah. I don't get any of this stuff, any of the, this this newer stuff. And it's like you were saying about Flipside. Flipside was the reason I found out about you guys. It was a BYO advert. And I just thought, Jack Hedge Revenge, that band name sounds cool. I went and got a record from Probe and Liverpool. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is for me at the time, you know? Well, that's you, cool, that's man. Thank you. Bands, you know? Yeah, exactly. So sell vultures to everybody out there in Mass Movement Land. Everybody listening to this, sell vultures to them, Joe. Uh... It's a statement and or a mission statement of personal power. You know, nice. uh, somebody was asking me like, what, 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 okay, then what are, what are the vultures? And, and I'm saying that's, that's all relative. That, that could be whatever, whatever is in your life that is sucking the force right out of you. That, that could be uh addiction that could be depression that could be a toxic relationship that could be a job that you hate and it hates you you know hey, I, I i've been in all those categories so that's what i mean about like hey i uh i've been on stage i've been in jail you know like yeah. I, I, i've seen some really good shit i've seen some really bad shit so that's that's what vultures is it's just it's it's uh it, it's uh, asking you to to look at it that way, to, to look at life that way, going, why am I giving all these people my time and energy when they're just you're you're trying to find some kind of certainty or some kind of goodness in life, especially after covid. And you just have these vultures that are devouring you. So I, I know what it means to me, but for everybody else hearing it, I, you know, pick your own vultures. Everybody has them. I mean, it's like you just said, you know. You've been on stage, you've been in jail. You've got to have the highs and the lows together to appreciate that the highs and you know to understand how the lows are going to push you to go back to the highs. I think, and that song really sums it up perfectly. Thanks. Yeah, Bridges is like that too. It's 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 like a uh, um, 
you know, just saying like, yeah, you know, those, those things that are going on with you. I mean, especially like America is in total psychosis right now, right. Uh, especially after COVID. So uh, everybody's stress level is at, at, at like an, a constant eight. You know, that's why there's, they're just, you know, you can't go anywhere without the chance of you being shot. You know, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, <laughs> you, we, you can't schools, we, grocery stores, churches, doesn't matter. You can be anywhere. you can be at work. It's just insane because here, I mean, it's the same sort of thing here, but without handguns. So we'd have to worry about getting shot because we don't have them here. But, you know, yeah. the idea that you could just be walking on the street and get somebody's having a bad day and just pulls out on you. And that is just, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I mean. So it, and with Bridges, it's saying like, uh, you know, these things that are going on with you are not unique to you. And everybody has stuff going on but but the point is is that you're not alone in it right because that that's how a lot of people feel here anyway is that they feel alone in their own like you know oh my life is so fucked up now and uh, you know it's like, like yeah but you're not the only one everybody's feeling that way right now so the tour starts on june yeah june 16th and then finishes, yeah. I'm assuming, the end of June. Yeah, like the 26th, I think, is is the last uh, is the last show. But, you know, this is just like one leg on this. There's going to be some U.S. shows as well in between. Or, I mean, you're just going to focus on the West Coast. You're going to go, go to the East Coast. It's going to be like Midwest as well. I don't know. Right now, we're we're just kind of – and this is how it's always been with us. Like, we, we never, like, make any, like, plans because – you know, someone told me one time that nothing's for sure until you're on stage. Right. And and he was absolutely right. So uh, we we just we'll, we'll see what the offers are when we get back. I think like after the record comes out and people hear it, then, you know, we can we can go from there. But as for right now, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's been like, what, 20 years. So you know, the, once the record's out and everybody hears it, OK, then, you know, decide whether you want to book us or not. OK, so is there anything you'd like to add, Joe? Uh, well, we're really looking forward to coming to the UK. I know people were bummed that uh, it didn't happen on this leg, but on the next leg, it will, I promise. Awesome. Well, when you do make it over, I'll see you. And first beer's on me. Uh, I would be absolutely thrilled. <laughs> well, pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Have a good night, brother. You too, Tim. Okay. Hope to see you All soon, right. man. Yeah, will do. Cheers, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, folks, that was Joe Doherty from Jughead's Revenge. Next up, we've got Mike from Blast. Blast are about to reissue Take the Manic Ride, which was originally released in 1989 on SST Records, on Southern Lord Records. It, in fact, it should be out by the time you hear this. Um, Blast one of those absolutely legendary punk rock bands who sort of took everything the Black Flag did and amped it up to the next level. Absolutely incredible band. Um, so it was kind of <laughs> one of my bucket list wish, bucket list interview wishes to uh, speak to the band, and I finally got to talk to Mike. And this is what he had to say about the upcoming reissue and everything blast related that you need to know for the next couple of years, because they're going to head our way real soon. And um, if I were you, and I am you, essentially. I'd get out there and see him because I know I'm going to. Anyway, this is Mike from Blast talking about Take the Manic Ride, the reissue that's about to appear on Southern Lord Records. Hey, Mike. Hey, can you hear me? I can, brother. How are you? (laughs) 
Sorry about that. That's all right. Good by yourself. Excuse me. Good. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Um, better for talking to you this evening because you know, long time, long time Blast fan. It's nice to get you on the Mass Movement Show. Nice. Is it just you and I, or? Um, I think so tonight. Yep, just you and me. Um, unless unless Cliff's dropping in, we're good to go. So. Take the Manic Ride. It's coming out again on Southern Lord. Do you want to tell us about how that came around? Well, Southern Lord did uh first two records that we have. Yeah. And Manic Ride, we were bring that in later, as we did. So we did the first two records on Southern Lord, and then it was just that time to finally release... The manic ride <laughs> in the fashion that we did. <laughs> but, so, does that mean uh, there's going to be new music yeah. from you guys again? Pardon? Is there going to be more new music from you guys? Yes. We have uh, plans to record new music. And, we've, you know, with all the past years of chaotic, um, stuff we just kind of now is the right time to do it and fortieth it's a good time to you know do all this new stuff and I've had tunes written for quite some time that and I have new tunes even so uh, we have a you know a bunch of music and everyone's really looking forward to recording it all and we just uh, need to start the process okay so. Did you ever think back when, you know, you, you, you're about to release Take the Man of Life the first time on SST that you'd be around in 2023 as a band putting new music out, re-releasing all your old stuff, or was it just, you know, let's just seize the moment and go for it at the time? Did you ever, you know, was there any remote possibility in, in your mind that you, you'd be here in the 21st century still playing with Blast? <laughs> that's a hard question but you know blast has always been we've kind of just always in, been in our own mindset so to speak and yeah it's always been so manic that you know it, it it's not really surprising me at all <laughs> that's not surprising so but uh back then no i mean back then we just kind of lived in the the day <laughs> so it's it's it, 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 when the band originally got back together what, did you have any sort of formative plans or ideas or were you just thought did you just think let's take this one day at a time and see where it takes us and were you surprised by the reaction you got when you guys came back well it was kind of a it was it was weird i mean everyone always says broke up but you know like Cliff and I always have been in contact and yeah. we've always had uh, music around each other and stuff. So uh, we don't really look at it as last broke up, but, you know, getting to get together. And I think the first show we did in a decade was the two, 2000 or 2001, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when we were like, Oh, that was, a, you know, that was a lot of fun. And, we enjoyed what we were doing. 
and to get the reaction of uh, blood and uh, expression of power for the Southern Lord and Dave's Dave Grohl's uh, input and everything into it and you know generosity and stuff. It's just it's been great. Because so, I mean, it, it kind know, of started the ball rolling to right, get us so going I mean, again. I, I'm kind of, I, I guess, um, when you guys originally disappeared, I was, I was coming up to like 18, 19, because it was like 19, 19, 19, 19, when, when you guys went. And you were always one of those bands that had that sort of legendary appeal because, you know, you hit the ground running hard. There was no other bands like Blast at the time. Um, and I guess when we heard you were back, it's just like, oh, holy shit, you know, they're back. They're going to do it again. We get to see this at last, and do you, you know, do, does it strike you as odd that you have that sort of reaction from people that people come to you say, you know, you inspired us to do this, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> definitely, it's it's uh, it was just fun. It's uh, any anything like uh, you know, people just uh, either attacking us or appreciating blast has always been kind of odd, and we've always kind of been in our own little uh, blast genre. Because I mean, in the beginning, it's weird. You know, you go to a blast show, and back in the eighties, it was like full segregation of uh, different genres of music and just about all of them were at blast. So that was kind of uh, really cool. We, you know, we really appreciated and liked that. And now to have uh, people say, Hey, uh, you know, this is still pretty fucking happening. And, you know, it's did it's time test of time and stuff. Well, you, know, it's, you know, we're appreciated of it. And, you know, we like what we did and what we're doing. And <clears throat> so to all those who dig it, thanks to all those who don't take a listen a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it, it, it always seems crazy because you guys never really got like the, you know, the accord you deserve of being at the forefront of the crossover scene. Cause everybody says oh, it's, it's DRI and it's crows to conformity and it's RKL, but you know, you guys were there empowering away, bringing, you know, it's, it's like a solid fusion of hard rock metal and aggressive hardcore and punk rock all steamed in the water. And nobody ever says to you, you know, blast were doing it at the same time. Those guys were, they were making it their own. Yeah. We were never big on the whole, uh, promotion sell yourself thing you know we just kind of we're into our own thing and we thought you know hey if we do this thing music will speak for itself you know we're, we have so much you know heart in what we do yeah and we love what we do we just we never were big on the whole ego sell yourself as hey, a business type thing we just like what we did you know <laughs> I, I don't know if that answers your question, but maybe we got a we got a little help from Grohl and uh, <laughs> Greg Anderson 
you know, honestly to get us off our ass and do this thing again, because, you know, when you don't have that backing and you push yourself with all, you know, Hey, put me out. This is the best music I'll do. I go out, blah, blah, yeah, whatever. It's hard to actually do it. Right. But, you know, we, we can go into our practice room and be totally satisfied. It's, you know, we don't need that festival of that picture with 30,000 people in the background to make us happy. You know, it'd be nice to be able to fund this, to be able to do what we want to do. That'd be great. But we just never into the whole. That's pretty much why it lacked. Or, or. Well, I mean, it just, it just always <laughs> hit me. It's like, you know, you guys never sort of got the acclaim you deserve because you, you were doing it. You were one of the pioneers of a whole genre of music that's gone on to become extraordinarily popular. You know, and I, I guess it's like the whole thing is, you know, if, if you invent something, if you create something, you never get the acclaim you deserve because somebody comes along and takes it from you and, and, and proclaims it as theirs. Um, yeah. And I guess I, that must have been the position you guys found yourselves in at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of that way from the beginning. That we got signed to a label. Mm-hmm. And we were really like, okay, let's you know, let's fucking do this record, you know, our first record. Yeah. And she, the big the label went bankrupt, and we're like, oh, yeah, that was really, really short lived. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, Chuck Dukowski <clears throat> started showing up at our, you know, our our gigs, and we're like, oh, fuck, you know, you know, because he's a game changer for us when we saw him. Right. I mean, the first time we saw Chuck and Black Flag, I think, was Burlington Hall in Berkeley, nineteen seventy nine, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is what you're supposed to do." <laughs> you know. So all of a sudden, Chuck's coming to our shows. We're like, "Oh shit, this is you know unreal." And then you know, we started talking to him, and he was been talking to Greg again, and they <clears throat> wanted to sign our band, and so that happened. And okay, you know, let's do this thing, and then. Uh, we're doing SST and it was unreal and everybody was so great and the whole team was unbelievable and everyone treated us so great and you know it's exactly what we wanted and and you you couldn't ask for more personally for us and then you know then all of a sudden SST record labels started breaking down and then we're like oh shit here it goes again you know and then we're kind of left on our own again. And then the nineties happened and, you know, we didn't know what we wanted to do. And so we kind of just backed off a little bit and everyone kind of fell into the whole, let's change our thing to little dirge or stone rock, whatever thing just blew up, ground blew up. And, you know, honestly, blast shit has just continued and did our own thing with whoever wanted to do it or whatever. But we kind of just, kind of you know it was just after being kind of taken out in the 80s it was like oh well you know, let's just chill for a bit and <laughs> hopefully hopefully we can get back on it the way we want to and it took longer than we anticipated and hoped but eventually we're here again and you're back to doing it man. it's just yeah it's- yeah and i mean honestly uh, this stuff we're writing right now is like uh stuff we're into and you know always have been doing so nothing's really changed it's not like oh shit 
now we're a new blast with a new different sound. Now it's pretty much the same stuff. So there's that. But I mean, it, it's, it's got to be like, because it's what, with 40 years of blast and to keep doing the same, you know, to, to have that unique vision to keep doing it. Did you ever think about maybe, well, can we incorporate this or do that? Because it, it, it just seems like you've had this vision and you've stuck to it relentlessly. There's been no sort of, I mean, the sound's evolved, but in a natural way rather than a forced way, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I think that's the thing with Blast is we didn't, like we literally were friends. We grew up in junior high and high school and we were skateboarding, you know, Blast came from skateboarding. Uh-huh. And we didn't, we weren't like these musicians. Hey, fuck, I took these lessons, bro. And I did this textbook leads. I know these leads now. And, I, you know, blah, you know, we hated all that shit. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's like, we did blast who we are. So it's pretty organic. I mean, it's, I mean, it came from our influences and what we were into and who we are. So it's, nothing's really changed. And I don't think we can get rid of blast if we wanted to. It's kind of is what it is, you know, <laughs> you're stuck with it for life now. You know, it's just, it, it's just impl- imprinted on your soul kind of thing. So you yeah. mentioned the, the new music. Is there actually, is there a plan for a new record? Is it, you know, you're going to be, is there so, some sort of idea when the music's going to appear, when you're going to record? Uh, yes, we have kind of a plan, and it's kind of, uh, it's been, uh, shoot, it's, you know, we, we're playing with Joey and everybody, and, you know, he's been so busy with everything he's doing. You know, it's, we're trying to, it's been really hard to get everyone together, you know, on the right, right time, and with with the right people and to actually come up with a game plan where it was like, okay, you know, this is it and let's make it happen. And no, you know, everyone's got to survive and there's this fucking weird virus floating around, change it, change things. And the whole world, you know, has just been so weird and everyone's survival mode and yeah. you know, everyone's doing their thing. So I think finally we're at this point where, we have some great players and everyone's on the same page. And, and if we can't get everyone, then we have super great backup plans and everyone we was rooting for it and everybody wants it and everyone knows what it is. So we're hoping that uh, this year is like, okay, this is our 40th man. Let's enjoy it and really get this, you know, blast thing happening. And, you know, and we all have other music we're doing and anticipate doing and we have such great friends throughout the years you know saying hey fuck you guys got to do this thing and let's we have support of great prominent bands and not so much and people starting off again it's just so fucking it's really cool right now you know so we're hoping to finally have our like okay let's fucking get this music out and we're actually starting to book shows and stuff right now and we're trying to look put together our team again team whatever but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's joey castillo yeah because he's been out with the circle jerks um yeah for the last 18 18 months or however long they've been out touring because we saw him in london earlier this year and him and keith were the two best things about it 
because Xander Schloss looked like he didn't want to be there and Greg Hetson looked like he was just there for the paycheck, you know? But yeah. Joey, was, Joey was playing his guts out, literally, from beginning to end. And I said, like, oh, fuck. You know, that's going to, that, that's, that's a dude who wants to be up there playing and playing this kind of music. So is, is Oliveri still with you guys as well? Yeah, Nick wants to do it as well. He, uh, he is another super busy guy. Yeah. And, uh, coordinating Joey and Nick together has been a challenge. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> so he, I know, you know, Joey really loves Blast. Yeah, I mean, wholeheartedly. So he just, he wants to do it and he's going to make sure he does do it. And it's all up to him, you know, and Nick, he wants to do it as well. And he's just been so busy with everything. Uh, now we're at the point where if we can get everybody together, that's what's going to happen. I mean, now the blast train is actually rolling and whoever's there is going to be the ones in it right. and on it. So now hopefully we're in that point where it's like, you know, no one's gonna, no one's gonna hold it back anymore. And, you know, the plan is, has always been those guys. And, you know, we, we dig our original guys. We dig other guys that are on the backup plan. And, you know, so it's just now we're at the point where, okay, now the blast thing is going to happen one way or the other with who or with ever, but. It's just kind of fucked that it's that way, but it, it's kind of cool and the same concept that, you know, Blast isn't that cheesemo band that we're going to go, hey, fuck, let's just do it, whatever we can do, put it out there. And it's, it's never been about that, never will be. And, you know, it's not a textbook band, and thank God, it's, or whatever, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It we will, really appreciate will. what we have and we're not going to ever not looking for that. Because it, it wouldn't be blast. Or that if, ego if, stroke. If it was like a textbook or set of rules, it wouldn't be blast anyway. Cause you know, you wouldn't have that sort of manic energy. And you know, I'm talking about manic, we're back to take the manic ride again. So, when it came to doing the record, was there anything that you wanted to do differently this time, you know, with the reissue? With, with Southern Lord? Uh, 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 I'm not sure what you meant. What, can you say that again? Because so when, with the reissue, did you have like a vision in mind? What, what you wanted it to be like? Was Is it remastered? How does the reissue differ from the original issue of the record? Uh, it's, uh, it's, that was a tough one, actually, because, you know, we even you know, contemplated redoing the record, playing it and stuff. Oh. I, I, I mean, it was like, shit, should we just do this again? Or should we, you know, get dig into the same recording and redo some guitars and vocals? Or should we, uh, you know, we contemplated every aspect we could possibly do. And we right. th- kind of thought this was a really good way to... Uh, Put it out because it kind of held true to what we did and it was already done and we've already came across different uh, ways and still hold true to what it was. So we kind of thought, ah, shit, it's kind of the 80s, nine, I think it was what it was. So 
if we record a couple, re-record a couple of those songs, it'll be more of a different record, and we'll leave true to what it was because I think it'd be kind of it would have been a mistake, not a mistake, but it would have been just kind of a bummer not to re-release what it was already. Right. So if we, you know, we might still do some weird stuff like uh, take four songs from each record and redo them now again instead of a live thing, or do a live thing, or maybe. A live studio thing. There's just so many cool things we can do now. We're making it fun, you know. I mean, you I, see I, our peers' bands. You know, you like you see Fu Manchu having fun, and COC's having fun, Downs having fun, Melvins. Everybody that was we grew up with are kind of doing it. I mean, if you look at Black Flag now, you know they're not doing their thing, but it's not what we we would want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm not saying that as a button yeah, yeah. as being a dick or anything i'm just saying that like we want to keep blast as true as possible and right we don't care for the you know the punk rock hey kids look who we are you know I'm not into that. <laughs> but it's just uh, so other- example the whole vegas festival thing you got punk rock yeah. boy and you uh, the psycho festival and you know which one could you guys play we could play them both you know if we yeah. want but you know we'd probably always fit in more to the psycho one because the punk rock thing is kind of taking a turn into something we've never been into so i mean to be honest and but that's where our roots are so it's a cool thing that if you want to see what uh like there's certain bands you know that can do that like melvin's obviously or enjoying what they've always done and they haven't messed around and we're doing the same thing. So does this mean there's going to be new, another tour in the, in the works? Are you guys going out? Yes. Those- yes. I think we'll never do a big old brutal tour or get in the van and do a lengthy tour, but you'll definitely see some two weeks here, two weeks there and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. So does that mean the UK and Europe as well? Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh yes, this, this is all right. I'm not. I'm not just rebellion. You know, I'm not just like, well, we're going to fly over and play Blackpool because you know, as cool as it is, you don't. You know, there's this like twenty thousand middle aged guys there, and you know, it's just nice company for for an hour or two. But you 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 want to be out there playing Islamic. I will maintain that you what you guys do should be club level. You know, you should be there right up front. Thank you. Experiencing it, you know. Thanks. So, yeah, we we plan on it. Good. So, last question, Mike. If there was an overwhelming philosophy that could sum up Blast, what would it be? Oh, jeez, that is a. My brain is like twisting right now. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, yeah, I mean, Blast <clears throat> just. I mean, if you spell out Blast, be loyal and stay true. That's what blast is, and it always has been, and always will remain. No, no, uh, nothing hidden here. It's, it's, you do what you do, and be loyal, be true. Don't be mean, man. Just be kind. Be, you know, peace. Don't fall into this trap that everybody does, and hopefully, we can all be honorable and loyal and friendly and be kind to one another 
and enjoy okay. some enjoy what you want to enjoy, man. Don't and crank it up to eleven and do things the blast way because that is the fucking only way. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you for your time this evening, brother. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to talk. I sure appreciate it, brother. Okay, well, I w- I will be seeing you when you tour on the first beers on me, man. Thank you so much, and hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Okay, I am holding you to that as well. <laughs> Speak to you soon, bud. Have a good one. I appreciate it. Right on. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And finally, and last but not least, we have Armando from Fahrenheit 451. Um, in case you don't know, Fahrenheit 451 is one of those legendary New York hardcore bands from the mid to late 90s. Um, they originally released the thought of it on SFT Records, and we have a little bit of history of this band because SFT Records were one of the first labels to ever send us a care package back in 97, 98. And as such, Fahrenheit 451 were one of the first bands we ever reviewed in mass movements. So it was kind of a pleasure to talk to Armando about the band, where they're at, the upcoming reissue, and everything's going to be happening in their near and immediate future. So without further ado, this is Armando from Fahrenheit 451. Take it away, Armando. Hey, Armando. What's going on, Tim? How are you, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good. Let me... uh... <laughs> video up as always it's always a freaking weird problem there we go there you are wait what's going on uh not a lot but it is it's a pleasure to speak to you sir because i i was actually sent the original issue of the thought of it on two down oh. hype when it was first released to review so oh that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome um you know i'm kind of like long time sort of <laughs> listener and fan so, what happened with Too Damn Hype? When you, because you guys should be going full guns in in the New York scene, mm-hmm. and then you, the record comes out on Too Damn Hype, and it went quiet. What well, was it? Was on SFT. SFT, that's right. SFT, striving yeah, for togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We kind of we we all we played a ton of shows like around those that time, like in the nineties. Like we couldn't, like every other week we were in New York or regionally, and then we got to go and uh, do some national stuff with H2O and VOD. And then we kind of went into the studio. We, we we got signed to a publishing deal with this company called Zamba. Right. Um, where an old friend, Howie Abrams, who uh, was worked at Roadrunner and in effect, and he, um, he was working there, and he, he really dug us. And we got into writing, and once we got into writing, it, it was just kind of stalled. And we just, you know, classic case of like, all right, man, like I'm looking at your face and I'm, you know, we're all like not liking each other. And, you know, all that <laughs> shit, so. and then, yeah, it just kind of hit a wall. And I think, and you know, I've, I've been saying this a bunch, but I think we just had like, you know, unrealistic expectations of things, you know, right. um, when we should have kind of kept the motion going and developed as we went along, you know what I mean? Right. Okay. So, cause I mean, yeah. you guys were completely unusual. So I had like label mates with NRSV and um, VOD. Yeah. But none of the none of you guys were the same. You you didn't have the similar sound. The only sort of linking causality between you was that you were all from the New York hardcore scene, mm-hmm. and that made SFT sorry about a really refreshing label. It made people want to listen to you. <laughs> I think one thing I always sort of remember is if if you talk to people over here about Fahrenheit four five one, a lot of people remember you. Less people seem to remember you stateside outside of New York. Yeah, 
um, which is really strange. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, we, I mean, we, we didn't do a, a lot of national touring. We did a lot of regional stuff. Um, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of strange. I, I find it kind of funny because I'm trying to see if we can get out to Europe. We've never even been there. <laughs> I mean, we've never but, been but out you're still States. like one of these legendary bands here because, because of that record, you know? Okay. Okay. Um, and so how do you come to hook up with like the Fuse records and, and think, well, let's reissue this rather than working on something new? Was it like, this is, is that, it's like a, like a showcase almost? Like a showcase record? No, I mean, no, that was, it, it just kind of happened like kind of randomly. Uh, Jay over at uh, Light the Fuse, he, yeah. I guess it, it, the whole story is he was looking to kind of replicate his CD collection in vinyl. And I guess he went looking for us on <laughs> vinyl and saw that we didn't have, we never put out anything on vinyl. And he was like, shit, like, maybe I should do this, right? And he hadn't, the label hadn't been active since 2005, I think he said. And, um, yeah, he was just like, I just want this record in my record collection. So he reached out to Lenny, our guitar player, got talking to him on Facebook. I jump in, and then all of a sudden we were putting this thing out, which is, it was super seamless. He's been incredible. And, yeah, I'm so happy that he decided to do it. I was shocked. I was like, yeah, we'll fucking do it. So it came at the right what, time, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so what's the difference between Fahrenheit 451 today? On Fahrenheit four five one in like ninety seven ninety eight when you were sort of pushing it and really getting out there. Um, it's because we really don't want to. We we have no expectations this time around. It's just okay. a matter of doing because it it's fun. You know, we're a bunch of old dudes. We, we know that. You know, what I mean? we're not trying to like. <laughs> you know, it's like no one's here trying to be a rock star. So yeah, it's just I, we just want to get out and have fun, and you know, it just got to the point where we're not any younger. And from my perspective, I'm just like shit. You know, as you see some of your peers starting to like, uh, for like, you know, to just die around you. Yeah. It's like the last thing I wanted to do was like these guys who I shared such a really important part of my life with. I was like, I, I, it just felt wrong that we didn't, you know, we could still do stuff. We could still play and then start practicing and, and we got loon to the fold. And then, and then now we started writing some songs where we thought we'd never write anything again. And it's been really, really fun. So, so what was the impetus to get was that was it that you you, you start to see your peers fade out and 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 sort of pass away was that the impetus to put the band back together or, or was there um, another another reason did you was it like an organic thing did you all just think well we spent enough time away from each other let's see how it works well throughout the years we played shows here and there but we never yeah. had like thoughts of like writing new music or doing anything like that. Right. Um, for me, uh, essentially, it was Kevin. Kevin uh, suffered like a, a medical emergency. Kevin, our bass player, okay, um, a very serious one. And you know, he's all right, he's all right now. So yeah, he's all right. Uh, but it was, you know, it was very, really touch and go for a while. And I was like, shit, man. Like we still like each other, you know. What I mean? <laughs> we're not, <laughs> and we're all around. We're local. We all live in the New York area, and it's like, why don't we just do it just for fun? Like, there's no expectations of anything. Like, just, just play a couple of shows here and there. and I don't know. See what's up. And, yeah, it's been really, really cool. And uh, having Lou now in the band, who's our drummer, is really kind of, you know, his breath of fresh air. He's really kind of brought, like, a new perspective to the band. And he's been a friend for so long, so it's just awesome from the so around. How do you think, you know, <clears throat> from your perspective, from being part of the scene in the 90s and now, how do you think the New York scene has changed? You know, now the CBs has gone. Um, and is, is there is there a new focal point for the scene? Cause it... I'm really liking what the scene is now. I mean, I think it's just like so many bands and so many, like, there are venues, but it's not like 
I think we had iconic venues back back then. You know, there was mm-hmm. the Wetland, there was CBs, there was Coney Island High, things that lasted for a long amount of time that were looked at as the the centers of the scene. Right. Now it's not like that. Now it's just kids playing, and I'm I'm shocked at the at how many of these bands are touring as much as they're doing. Like you see a lot of these newer bands, you're like, holy shit! Like they're getting out there, and I love it, and I love the energy, I love the fact that kids are. I mean, even we played a show at. Uh, Fire Electric that we did a free show for one of Drew Stone's things. And it's a lot of younger kids and they just go out and dance and it, there's no pretension, you know what I mean? Uh, a band comes in, they play, they dance. You know, it's it's been really refreshing to watch that. Um, they react to it, you know. Um, yeah, so I'm into it. The, the only difference is I think there was just just older. I mean, it's a kid's game and at the end of the day, I think, with a lot of it. And young, and young kids drive this fucking thing and if they're doing yeah. a really good thing, I don't know. I'm just I'm just happy that it continues to be what it is, and it's bigger than it's ever been now with all the bands that are actually achieving success. So, I mean, we're talking about like about it being a kid thing. How does it feel to be the old dude in a, in, a, in a young man's world? You know what I mean? Because uh, I am conscious. <laughs> I am consistently aware of this whenever I'm at shows. I am now the old guy who stands in the back with his arms folded, just sort of nodding along and tutting to himself. <laughs> what's, what's your just swaying, like? just swaying, swaying yeah, 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 yeah. as long as my knees uh, hold out yeah yeah well, well yeah that's the problem i think in my mind i always think that i'm i'm way younger than i am until i walk in front of a mirror or my my body starts hurting from standing up for too long <laughs> but <laughs> it was great man it's like you know we, we make fun of it you know it's like just like old people do and just like point at kids and you know make fun but it was like I, I don't know it's just i think it's awesome i, I don't feel any type of way uh out of place you know what I mean? Like, I always yeah, thought yeah, I would feel yeah. out of place, but as long as I'm into the band, I'm enjoying it, and meeting new people, which is always great. I, I think that's always, like, the part of it that's the draw. You so know? you mentioned you were writing new new songs. Are they also... Are there plans to release them with Light the Fuse, or are you looking to find another label? And how's the whole writing process come along, and when can we expect a new record? Um, we're hoping that someone will want to put it out at the 7-inch. Uh no one we haven't decided on that yet the writing's been great uh which is something that I, used to be such a point of contention between all of us because that's the, the the least my least favorite part i think besides rehearsing is, is writing <laughs> sometimes i like play, i like performing and stuff but yeah yeah it, it's 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 been great that we've been able to like talk and just kind of work through things and kind of working things to find a finality to it without it being a constant reworking of everything which is always the problem and you know, we've been really, really part heavy. Uh, you know, you listen to some of our songs, it's got like fucking six parts in it. You know, trying to figure out the balance between <laughs> what we do and also just being concise. So it's been cool, man. It's it's fun. I'm just, I'm having a good time. Yeah. So what I'm kind of wondering is, is are you still following the old blueprint? Does it still sound like Fahrenheit 451 to still have that sort so. of punch that you guys always had? I think so, for sure. I just think, I think it's just, it's got a little bit more, um, I say a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more concise. Okay. Uh, a little bit more focused, I think. Um, but yeah, it definitely has the punch. It's funky. A lot of it's like the super dancey and funky. Bob your head shit. You know, this is like what we what we do. It's just like being, you know, city kids, um, and having all these different styles like all around. It's kind of growing up with that, you know. Um, but yeah, it's still gonna have the same flavor. It's it's yeah. And as far as when it's gonna come out, I don't know. I mean, we're we're hoping to wrap them up in the next couple of months. And hopefully we're going to play one of the new songs. I think we're looking to play it on the June 10th show we're playing in, uh, in Brooklyn. Okay. So playing Brooklyn, playing in New York, what are the European plans? Cause you know, it's time for you guys to, you know, head our way and 
Yo, put the word out there. Who wants to bring us out? <laughs> and we don't. And we don't have. You know, the, the idea is that we don't have dreams of like. Our main perspective, our main objective, is to go out there and have fun. Like, right. I want to want to roll around, play shows. I understand budgets are really fucking tight with everybody, and it's tough to kind of get around as a band. Um, just for lack of certain resources, people still trying to pick it up. So, I, I, I'd love to come out to Europe. Love to. Um, I've been trying to talk to the people about it. There hasn't been much of a of an interest. So, I'm hoping at some point with new music and the more this record comes out someone will jump in and want to bring us out there. And uh, yeah, we can make it happen. I'd love to. You need yeah. to speak to Matt and Yvonne at Avocado Booking. What's his, oh, who is it? Avocado Booking, Matt and Yvonne. So Matt okay. is in um, Funeral for a Friend. Gotcha. Okay. He's the singer with those guys. So um, Matt knows who you are as well. So Does he? Okay, cool. So Avocado. I know, I, know, I, know, I know the agency, but I, just, I didn't know he was involved. Matt. Yeah, so Matt, Ma- this- Matt and Yvonne at Avocado. Um, I'll CC you into an email with him at some point. That, um, that would be dope, please. And, you know, because it, it, it's an entirely selfish, you know, motivation because I just want to see you guys play. <laughs> you, it's like bucket list band, ticked off, ticked off, ticked off. So that it's it's not like so. I'm not being altruistic by any stretch of the imagination. In, in, no, in, I understand. I want, I want you to be as selfish as possible. I want to be selfish too. <laughs> All I want to do is so, because I want to go out there. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? it's like I'm hoping that people will show up, but I want to go out there. So, do you think um, that age has changed your lyrical perspective and the, and the sort of subjects you broach with the band? Um, no. No, not at all. I think it's it's kind of the same stuff. You know, there's enough shit happening in the world and stuff around it. It's kind of, you know, it's it's, it's one song that's kind of centered around just what's been just life. And one is a love song, which is basically what we do. You know? I mean, it's just like uh, love and you know, looking at the world and trying to keep a positive perspective. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the same stuff, you know, um, melodic and just, you know, just groovy. Um, okay. But yeah, lyrically, I think I'm pretty much sticking to not the same themes, I think. For sure. So how do you think the outside reaction to the news that you guys have come back has been in general? Because um, from I my think... perspective, it's been overwhelmingly positive. So, you know, yeah. that's always a good um, thing. No, for sure. Um, you know, we were always one of those bands that were, that were out outside the box a bit. I think it's like we, um, we don't fit a mold very easily. Yeah. And I think sometimes... Though people know who we are, it's like, like, oh, yeah, I've heard your band before. I've done this. It's like we never were that. We never really broke out. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that there's people who are buying the record and are interested in or want to put it out and want to listen to new stuff. So um, I think the reaction has been great. I'm hoping that the new songs, people will dig it and just come out and check us out and hang out, you know, because it's... Uh, Cool. I think you guys always had that sort of thing where you were almost like a, like a like a sub sort of genre band with like Orange Nine Millimeter and VOD those sort of bands. You 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 didn't do the traditional mosh 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 fast part fast part fast part mosh part mosh part mm-hmm. mosh part mm-hmm. New York sound. Um, and I'm just think, you know in my head it's always like well if, I, if you're going you guys are going to put a tour together it's you know you how cool would it be to see you guys go out with Orange Nine Millimeter that would be like the Oh fuck yeah! Sort of <laughs> ultimate bill to just you know, yeah yeah. We had toured with them back in the day too a bit, and with Burns for a little while when they came back. So um, yeah, I love both those bands, and I mean they, uh, you know, they're basically the blueprint for what you know we do. Right. Um, 
and you know, big props to them. It's I, I don't know, man. I I want to get out there. I want to play. I want to fucking play shows. I want people to come see us. I want people who are curious who never got to see us to just come down and check it out. Um, I'm hoping we can get to Europe. Hoping your boy can hook it up. <laughs> well, so uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'll be in touch with Matt later tonight. So I'll get his email address, and if he says yay, sorry to Fred send you, I will put you guys in touch. Because yeah, again, it's not altruistic by any stretch of imagination. I'm too old to be altruistic. It's, it's entirely <laughs> selfish. You know, it's like, let's, let's take bands off the fucking wish list now, and that's that's an end of it. So that's perfect. That would love it. Where it comes from. So if you were to describe. Fahrenheit 451 to a new scene kid. Someone who hasn't heard of you, who has no idea what the band was ever about and is about, how would you describe yourselves? Uh, funky hardcore. Yeah, funky hardcore, I think. It's just bouncy, funky hardcore. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it. You know, I, I, people tend to put all types of other labels on things, like it's uh-huh. like, you know, kind of on the rap side. Um but I think that encompasses that too. I mean, it, you know, hip hop is also funky, you know, medium and 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 genre. So yeah, I would, I would say funky, funky hardcore. Because yeah, that's probably the best, the best, the most. What, 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 how would you describe it? Because I would say there's more of a hip hop influence. So it's like you know, if if somebody if somebody listened to a band like the Goats, or they were listening mm-hmm. to um, oh, the Goats, <laughs> uh, sort of you know, like Grandmaster Flash, and then put that with late 80s hardcore, that's where you guys are in my brain. That's where you've always been, you know? And you throw in some some go-go and it's just, you know, that's what you guys do. And you do it well. Oh, I'll take that for sure. All right, let's let's, let's do that. Funky (laughs) hip-hop hardcore. Yeah. So, I mean, there's always been a massive hip-hop influence in your sound as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're all, like I said, we're all city kids. We all grew up, like, you know, I grew up in the South Bronx with Frank, like, you know... Uh, Kevin was in Harlem. Like we're all like, but we're all kind of like multicultural kids. Ray right. lived downtown, so it's like, but we all have like love all different types of music. Like I started off liking like you know disco back in the seventies. I was a kid into hip hop because it started where I lived, um, and I was around. And you know, as a little kid listening to this stuff, and it kind of informed everything. And then getting into metal, and then that kind of got it. So. By the time I want to get into a band, I was listening to all that freestyle, like everything around me was just like, right. and all of us are, are listening to, you know, we can recite different songs from different genres. It wasn't like we were just stuck in this one thing. Um, and we've been going to different shows and listening to different music for, for our entire lives. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely, yeah, the area and, 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 and us being from all different backgrounds for sure. So I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is, hip hop is just as important as hardcore to you guys as as, as for as sure, a, right? One hundred. I mean, I mean, listen, but you listen to my lyrical style, basically. Yeah. You know, it's you know, for for lack of a better way, I I I make up for my uh, lack of talent with my uh, exuberance. And- <laughs> <laughs> so. I I think you're being too harsh on yourself, but you know, yeah, you know. self-deprecating so, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we, I mean. Do you plan on touring? I mean, with age now, I think a lot of bands are realizing that you can't do like a full on three month tour. So it's like, be like, it's usually like two week blocks here or two week blocks mm-hmm. there, according to, you know, the constraints of life. Cause we've all got full time jobs and we've all got a, you know, families to look after. So is that sort of the plan? So like two weeks here, two weeks there or we I don't even think here? we're going to go that far. No, nah, I don't think we're going to go that far. I think it's going to okay. be like, you know, wherever some regional shows, whoever, if someone wants to book us on something, 
definitely Europe. I definitely want to do and get out there. And Japan, we'd love to do as well. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's any real plan for that. And everybody has like kind of jobs and shit like that. So it'll be like taking time off to go do things, old guy shit. You know what I mean? So again, it, it's you know we're a legacy thing. It's like if somebody wants to put us on something because whatever, that'll be awesome. And I'll right. you know, I'm willing to play wherever uh, it makes sense. So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's going to be really a lot of touring happening. You know, it's going to be a lot it's, of spotty things. It's just nice to have you guys back. Well, I think that's about it for me, Amanda. Awesome. No doubt, Dude, man. That was awesome it talking It has been an absolute pleasure. That's another tick off my bucket list because, uh, yeah. yeah. It was an well, hopefully, hopefully you'll get to see us. Hopefully you get to see us soon, too. Fingers crossed, brother. Fingers crossed. Have a good you evening, man. Okay. You too, brother. Yeah, bye-bye. Peace. So that's it for this time, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the interviews with Jughead's Revenge, Blast, and Fahrenheit 451. And we'll see you again soon. Uh, ta-ta!